Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And today we're going to be joined by our good friend here, the one and only Noah Magaro George, who is joining us. Of He's one part of Pounding the Rock, uh, and we enjoy his coverage. So, Noah, how's it going? Great. Uh, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but the Spurs got a win last night. I enjoyed that. I think fans enjoyed that. And I'm always happy to talk Spurs basketball with you. So I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good. And you you better be careful saying that you're enjoying the victory because there's Spurs Spurs fans who are team tank are not enjoying the victory. And then some of them got mad because I put I put up a little tweet just having Snoop Dogg doing a little dance saying the Spurs finally got a win. You know, the last win was in November when they finally uh, uh, ousted the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, you know, and that was the last time they won come December now. And what we're already getting into the, uh, we're already in what, the second week of December. And lo and behold, the Spurs finally get a win against the lowly Rockets. Let me have my fun and enjoy this moral victory. <laughs> Just one win. It doesn't mean it's going to change the trajectory of this team. They are who they are. And they are the second worst team in the NBA right now. So y'all need to get over yourselves. <laughs> no, it's crazy out there, man. You can't even celebrate a win. <laughs> it It is wild. Yeah, it's the Wild West with Spurs fans right now. It's been a crazy season. It's crazy. But I mean, hey, it's a moral victory. And, and like I said, you know, the, the Spurs, they needed this victory. It's a moral victory for them. Keldon Johnson, it's great to see him break out of his shooting slump. And overall, just, you know, the body language of, the, of this young team was telling you that they were, you know, frustrated. And for them to finally get a win, you know, and they had a 20-point lead at one point, you know, and then they put in Boban, and it was like, Boban's the world beater, man. <laughs> and the crazy thing is he's so beloved that when they put him in, he makes his shot, and then the AT&T Center erupts with praise for Boban. Just to goes to show you, like, I think he's one of the most beloved players in the NBA. Anywhere he goes, everybody loves him, the players, the fans. I mean, Boban almost brought the, the, the Rockets back, Noah. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, he, what, he's been in the John Wick movies. He has those great goldfish commercials. He's yeah. been in all sorts. Of, I mean, it's hard not to love him, right? He's just big. He's lovable. He's fun. His teammates love him. Fans love him. There's nothing not to like about Boban. Yeah, well, the Spurs, they finally, like I said, got a win. They beat the Rockets 118 to 109. And it was great again to see Keldon Johnson kind of break out of his shooting slump, finish the game with 32 points and seven rebounds. Then we had Trey Jones, who actually had a great game alongside, you know, Keldon Johnson, finished the game with 26 points, five assists, and three rebounds. Then you had Dougie McBuckets coming off the bench, holding it down for the second unit, you know. 12 points, three, re three rebounds, and two assists. And then you had Jay Rich, again, holding it down in that second unit. 12 points, two rebounds, and two assists. Romeo Langford, you know, 11 points, five assists, and four rebounds. Charles Bassey, you know, limited minutes coming off the bench. I mean, hey, he he put in some, some good uh, stats here. 10 points, five rebounds, uh, three assists, and four blocks, you know. And then you had Zach Collins, uh, Stepping in for, for the injured Yaka Portal, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. And there's your uh, top scores for the San Antonio Spurs. Honorable mentions, Malachi Branham had 5 points. Uh, Isaiah Roby, five, uh, 5 rebounds and 2 assists. So we had a, a complete, I guess, team effort in this, uh, in this outing here with the Spurs facing the Rockets. And it looked like they were more of a, they played more as a completed a complete team. There was a, a bit more of an effort there. 
And I got to say, I attribute this more to Coach Pop now being back with the with the Spurs after, you know, a little hiatus there due to a, a medical procedure that he had done. And I think, you know, just the the guy seeing him on the sidelines with, the you know, his his uh, leadership, you know, and his antics there as well. Uh, it, they really, really missed him. And I think just having that familiar face back in the on the sidelines really just helped boost their their morale and make them want to play better. I mean, what are your thoughts here on the Spurs uh, getting this win against the Rockets? I think, you know, maybe this is unfair, but it definitely feels like one of those wins that makes sense, right? It, it's a win that they should have, have, you know, added to their win total. The Rockets heading into last night, third worst defense in the NBA, seventh worst offense in the NBA, third worst net rating in the NBA. And to be honest with you, they're one of the few teams who are probably as bad as the Spurs are. And I think that matchup for Keldon was really favorable and he took advantage of it. He looked incredibly decisive. He looked confident. And, and I mean, you look at that Rockets team, there's no rim protector out there. Alperin Shingun is, is a skilled big man on the offensive end. He can shoot a little bit. He has, you know, back to the basket moves. He can push the pace. He can handle the ball a little bit, but he's no rim protector. He does not protect the rim. No one's afraid to go in there. And Keldon Johnson, time and time and time again, took it to the rim, had those little baby hooks, had those physical drives, you know, threw his shoulder into smaller guards, and he wasn't worried about the second line of defense. He didn't care that Alperin Shingun was there. So it's a win that the Spurs probably should have gotten regardless of who was available, but it was also, like you mentioned, just so important for the morale of a young team. And one win is not going to mean the difference, probably, <laughs> uh, between you know getting Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson or Cam Whitmore or any of the Thompson twins or any of those prospects that Spurs fans really like. One win is not going to make you know probably a world of difference. Now, it may decide you know the Rockets have better odds, you have better odds, but guess what? You play the Rockets three more times. If you look at, at it from that perspective, maybe they lose three times to the Rockets. Who knows? I mean, like you mentioned. Boban almost changed the complexion of that game at the end. So you never know with the Spurs, but I was happy. It's never fun to see a team lose 11 games straight. And so this win, it meant a lot to the Spurs, but I think it also meant a lot to fans. And it certainly made my job covering the team a lot more fun. It was exciting. It wasn't depressing. That's all I can ask for this season. Yeah, no doubt. You know, one of the things that we're going to talk to talk about as well is we're going to talk about Keldon Johnson breaking that shooting slump. Uh, you know, over the course of the 11-game losing streak, you saw some things out of Keldon Johnson that you hadn't seen when the Spurs went on that miraculous five-game win streak to start the season. And that was Keldon Johnson being more decisive with the ball. And that's, that's something that I, I was praising him on early on in the season where he wasn't letting that, you know, double team or even triple team sometimes or the different looks that opposing teams' defenses are going to give him. He wasn't letting them set that up for him. He was being more decisive with the ball. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, and he was attacking the rim, or he was immediately going into creating some space and getting that mid-range jumper you know, going, and he was knocking down his shots. Um, even from beyond the arc early on in the season, he was more productive. And of course, you know, you see a little you know, drop in, in his stats, and that has to do with more teams figuring out the Spurs as a whole you know, and playing better defense against, against them you know, and closing off those passing lanes and, and making, you know, Keldon play more of a of an isolated uh, ball. You know, he's not more of a DeMar DeRozan type of player, so he's not really good at just one-on-one -on -one situations as far as playing isolation basketball goes. 
um, he needs a little bit of time, you know, to create some space and he needs that, you know, that little pick or, or that screen, you know, Yaka portal so good at setting. Uh, yeah, so he yeah. can go ahead and break free and get, you know, go into the rim and get an easy layup or get a little floater going on. But, you know, now that he's been a little bit more decisive in this game against the Rockets, you're seeing good things happen for Keldon and not only for him, but the Spurs as a whole, they played better. The effort was there. And we even saw that happen with uh, Trey Jones as well. You know, you saw an uptick in his production. So as, if the team plays a little bit better and the effort's there, good things happen. And as far as the ball sticking as well in Keldon Johnson's hands, I don't want to see that. You know, I like it when he's, you know, in motion, when he's in the flow of the actual offense itself, instead of just having him get the ball at the top of the key and just, hey, go out and make something happen because everybody else is guarded and you can't really pass the ball because then it's going to be a turnover, you know? So I like the effort uh, a lot better this in this outing. And as I had stated to you as well, is Keldon Johnson was one of, this is the, the fun fact that we have, the stat fact, the fun fact, is Keldon Johnson with his 32 points, no end last night's game against the Rockets, only he, he joins uh, Elite Company because only Tony Parker and Tim Duncan have more 30-point games by a Spurs player before turning 24. And I actually found this uh, per StatMuse via Twitter. So make sure you go ahead and give them a follow on Twitter at StatsMuse. So, I mean, what did you think about Keldon Johnson's overall production and, and just, you know, the stat that I just threw out? Yeah, I, I think I'm still pretty convinced that this was just a really good matchup for Keldon Johnson, right? We mentioned they don't have any rim protectors. Mm -hmm. They had Jabari Smith Jr. guarding him. Jabari Smith Jr., he can move his feet, right? He, he's got really good feet for a big man. There's a reason why he was the number two pick in the NBA draft, but he's really slender. He's just over 200 pounds. Keldon is pound for pound, one of the strongest players in the NBA, really physical driver. That's a great matchup for Keldon because while Jabari Smith, again, can move his feet, can slide laterally, he really doesn't have the strength to contain someone like Keldon. And even though he was right on Keldon's hip and he was, you know, hounding Keldon, didn't matter. Keldon was able to throw a shoulder into him, displace him, get to the rim. And, and then, as I mentioned, like there, there is no rim protector. You're not worried about Alperin Shingun. And even if he does rotate over from the weak side to try to help, Keldon Johnson could, if he wanted to, dish it off to Charles Bassey or he could dish it off to Zach Collins. But he didn't need to because Alperin Shingun, as well as not being a great athlete or a great rim protector, he's just not that aware of a defender. So... Really great matchup for Keldon. There are some things that I want to see him do better. Of course, last night he had more turnovers than assists, but the turnovers are down. The confidence is up. He's taking those mid-range jumpers when the defense gives it to him. And I think the one thing from him, if I could say, hey, I, I want to see more of this from Keldon, and we saw it last night, being a little bit more judicious in the kind of three-pointers he was taking. Because during that slump, he was taking eight three-pointers a game, nine three-pointers a game. And he was just pressing, right? It just taking yeah. them again and again. And it was like, okay, well, maybe if I keep shooting, one will go in. But defenses were not leaving him wide open. They were covering him. And, and last night, almost every single one of his three-pointers outside of, I think, one that he took when the shot clock was running down and they just needed to get the ball off, they were uncovered. They were open. And those are the kind of threes that we know Keldon can knock down. Standstill, stationary, catch and shoot, open. Those are the shots that I like. So I was really happy with his shot selection. And hopefully he can carry this into this next matchup with the Heat. Obviously, different team, better mm -hmm. players. But, you know, building any momentum for your best player, that's always a good thing. So really happy to see Keldon snap that cold spell because, man, it was, it was getting rough. It, it was, was getting brutal. historically bad. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, and the other thing that I noticed too, because of course Devin Vassell was not uh, playing in yesterday's game, is the uh, field goal attempts were a little bit more balanced. You know, usually it's going to be Keldon and it's going to be Devin Vassell. And of course, these are your two best players that you have on the team. So they're going to go ahead and take the most, you know, field goal attempts of the team, you know, and, and you saw a little bit more of a balance. You saw Trey Jones being able to get get in on that action in the absence of one Devin Vassell. Uh, he played 34 minutes. He was 10 of 16 from the field. Good enough for 62.5% field goal shooting, which is great. You know, he was able to get his too because, again, Devin Vassell wasn't playing in the game. Uh, from beyond the arc, he did not, you know, bode too too well. He was two of six and shot 33.3%. But of course, you know, uh, most of those, you know, shots that he took from beyond the arc were probably contested, you know, shots as well. So you have that to contend with. If he's an, if he gets an, an open look to the three at a three, then he can more than likely knock it down. Uh, but, you know, his free throw attempts too, meaning being able to go to the stripe and be able to earn some, some easy buckets there, four or four, perfect for a hundred percent, you know? So Again, man, you, you just liked everything that, you know, one Trey Jones was able to do yesterday and finish the night with 26 points, only, you know, second to just one Keldon Johnson. So I've liked the advent of his game. You know, I, everybody looks at him and they think that he's kind of a passive player and he doesn't look to score first. And I think that's not the case. I think he does look to go ahead and get his points in as well. But of course, he understands he's a facilitator of the ball and he kind of dictates the flow of the offense as well. But overall, I thought Trey Jones did a really good job alongside Keldon yesterday. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Trey Jones is my guy. I think a lot of people, if you listen to my podcast or watch the YouTube channel or even read any of the things that I write, they know that I really like Trey Jones. And I think he gets this unfair rap that, oh, he's the starting point guard, but he's not that good and he shouldn't be a starting point guard. Well, people are probably right. He probably shouldn't be a starting point guard. He was drafted in the second round. Yeah. Most second round players never get this good. If all Trey Jones ever becomes is as good as he is right now, he's still one of the best backup point guards in the NBA once you get the starters in place. So I love Trey. I think he always is looking to find his teammates. He's always really careful with the ball, doesn't commit a lot of turnovers. He you know, hits his guys in the shooting pocket. He knows how to get guys in the spots that they like to shoot from, that they like to cut. You know, he's just a great facilitator, but he's not a great scorer. He's not a dynamic scorer, but what he is is he someone who can take advantage of openings. And that's what we saw last night. The The Rockets were awful in transition. They were bad at communicating when uh, you know the Spurs were taking the ball out of the net. And, and Trey said, if you're going to open up Broadway, I'm going to go right down the middle of the lane. And he did it time and time and time again. So you know, is Trey Jones the best point guard in the world? No. And, and I don't think anybody is telling Spurs fans that. But he certainly isn't the guy who, oh, it's all his fault. He can't defend. Oh, he, he shouldn't be a starter. It's not his fault. You know, the Spurs are rebuilding. The Spurs have put him in a really tough position. And if you look at his numbers, you look at his tape, man, he's done a lot with a little, like yeah. almost nothing. So really, really high on Trey Jones, especially if he, you know, if they, if they find that starting point guard and he can be the backup, because I think it's so important to have that second unit orchestrated by a really, really steady facilitator. And that's exactly what he is. So Trey, shout out to him. 26 points last night looked really good. Hopefully he keeps it rolling as well. Yeah, you know, so you can't say good enough enough good things about one both, you know, Trey Jones and also Keldon Johnson. But we're going to kind of focus a little bit more on what they said after the game here. And what I'm going to be using for reference here, just so everybody knows, is I'm going to be using Tom Orsborne's Twitter account here. 
and kind of show what everybody was, well, what the players were saying after the game. So some of the quotes here, you know, on Keldon Johnson, what Coach Pomp had to say about him is he said, he's being more decisive with the ball. He said, I thought he held the ball less and he caught it. He, he pulled it and attacked the rim without any hesitation, especially in the first half. He did great, you know, and, and that's exactly what we were both talking about as well, you know, and, uh, Coach Pop also said, you know, that they had a good carryover from the practice after focusing on defense so much in Wednesday's, in Wednesday's workout and in the morning shoot around. You know, the message he said, the message got across uh, as far as playing better defense, you know, because it kind of had been non-existent really in, in the in the losing streak. You just saw their de defense just be horrendous, horrible. So they cleaned that up a little bit during the, the game against the Rockets. And uh, Coach Pop also had something to say about, you know, Bassey. He said he did a fantastic job. He was more com com comfortable offensively, but defensively and rebounding-wise, he was fantastic. And I, I have to agree with that. I mean, in limited time, too, you know, he didn't get a lot of minutes, but in the minutes that he did get, he was very productive out there. So good on him, you know. Um, and he said also after uh, Trey Jones, you know, scoring a career high, uh, Pop said he's a competitive young man. He plays to win every down. He is a very he is very special in that regard. He will do whatever it takes to win. He sticks uh, his nose in. He takes no prisoners. He <laughs> plays the game. Winners play the game. Winners win, Noah. Winners win. <laughs> They're certainly I, trying to win. Yeah, I, I say that jokingly because we know what's going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, that's just some of the, you know, I guess uh, things that the quotes, you know, that the players had to say after the game. So, I, you know, again, just sharing this from uh, Tom Orsborne accounts. Uh, so make sure you go and follow him at Tom underscore Orsborne on Twitter. Great follow. So what did you think? I mean, those are just some of the quotes that we're sharing. I mean, what did you, what did you think about the quotes from coach pop? I think coach pop and, I think this probably is going to make some Spurs fans mad, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think Coach Pop was kind of, you know, blowing smoke uh, a little bit there with the defense <laughs> quote. If I mean, we talked about it. The the Rockets have the third worst offense in the league. They hard or seventh worst offense in the league. Rather, they they don't score that often. They don't score that efficiently. And I went ahead and pulled up some numbers as well to support this because I kind of figured this might come into the conversation. Yeah, <laughs> they are the fourth. Uh, least they're the, they're the team that passes the ball at the fourth least rate in the NBA. They've made the fourth fewest passes in the NBA. They are bottom 10 in assists per game. And their style of basketball is really, really hard to win with. Uh, Kobe Bryant and, and those really good Lakers teams post, you know, Kobe and, and before Pau Gasol came, it was okay because Kobe was such an elite talent, right? Superstar player, multiple-time MVP, one of the best players in NBA history. Jalen Green and <laughs> Kevin Porter Jr. are not that. They are not that. They play a lot of hero ball, and it's fun, right? When when the Rockets are are cooking and their two guys are really going well, awesome. You know, it's hard to stop two guys who are feeling themselves. But when your best players are jacking up a ton of shots, they're shooting below 30% from the field, they're trying to do it all themselves, they're dribbling the air out of the ball, they're not passing the ball, they're you know taking difficult contested shots. Yeah, it's a lot easier to play defense when it's just you against one guy. So, you know, the Spurs, were they better defensively last night? Sure. Yeah, they, they were. But I think a lot of it had to do with the Rockets were just so bad. I mean, you, you watch that game over. Yeah. You can watch it over if you want to for Spurs fans that are 
you know, may not agree with me, but they took a lot of really bad shots. They took a lot of contested threes. They took a lot of one and done possessions. It was not good basketball for them. And when you're playing a team that's as bad as the Rockets that shoots themselves in the foot, you'll take it every night, right? I mean, you know, yeah. the Spurs were better at defense, but we'll see if they look the same way against a better team like the Cavs or the Heat or any of their upcoming opponents because, you know, they were better, but the, the Rockets were bad. They were just straight up awful. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that translates. Yeah, no, I, I get exactly what you're saying. You know, Coach Pop's just trying to, you know, pump up the team a little bit, you know. And you have to. to. You yeah. have to. Yeah, he's just trying to get them pumped up a little bit and praise them for for doing a good job. Let, let's be honest. They did a better they been, they did a better job, but it, it's against a Rockets team, let's say, who is also not very good as well. So it is what it is in that regards. But one of the things that we're going to be talking about, since we did mention the heat, there was some heat that Coach Pop was bringing here during the game, which <laughs> I thought was was really good to see, you know, and it got a reaction from both not only Spurs fans, but Rockets fans as well. And I was watching the game, as everybody else was yesterday, if you're a Spurs fan, um, and Coach Pop was getting, uh, let's say, coaching up Malachi Brown. <laughs> and he was yelling at the rookie on the side, you know, on the sidelines, because he probably did something that Coach Pop did not like. And they already practiced this, you know, during the Wednesday practice. And he's probably been told before again and again and again, something that Coach Pop didn't like him doing or he was out of position or something happened. And he was really laying into the rookie. We haven't seen Coach Pop do this very much Uh as you know, in, in this season, I, I would say, or even last season, you know, really getting a rookie and and laying into them. And after he does that, he just gives him a little lap, love tap and like, get back in the game. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And you love to see that. That's classic coach pop. And sometimes these kids need this tough love. You know, they they mess up. You got to call them out and, you know, hey, but get back in the game. You know, you already know what to do. And this is a, a Rockets fan here. James Solomon. He says, size. Hashtag Rockets. And again, Danny here puts classic pop. That was her reaction. And Jared on twist on Twitter, he says, interesting. And then a Rockets fan, Dom here, he puts, I want a coach like this. <laughs> no, no, you can't have him. He's ours. Coach Pop belongs to the San Antonio Spurs. And then there was something here, too, that I wanted to share from another Rockets fan. I'm going to go ahead and get to that uh, reaction here. It was this. It was... Uh, Harmit Singil, you know, big time Rockets fan. Do you all see Silas doing this? And that's one of the things that I heard from some of the Rockets fans is they were criticizing their own coach. So I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing that for the screen for now. <laughs> but they were criticizing their own coach for not being more like Coach Pop. But who can be more like Coach Pop? There's only one Coach Pop, you know, and everybody has their own leadership style. So it's like Rockets fans, just just be glad with what you got. You got a lot of talent right now you know and then the spurs need a little bit more help in that regards but the the unsung hero here is one coach popovich i mean what did you think about him laying into malachi brannon i love seeing coaches do that especially if it's in a love tap like that right because there's a difference between just you know chewing out a player and then just you know get out of here yeah and then what he does is <laughs> he's yelling at him, but that's encouragement, right? You're yelling at him. You're saying, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. Whatever it is, we didn't hear what was said. But, you know, he clearly wanted to let him know, like, hey, you know, just move on. You know, you don't give somebody a love tap like that unless you're trying to encourage them, right? So yeah. I thought it was really cool to see Coach Bob doing that. We haven't seen him do that in a while. And as far as, 
you know, the, the Rockets coach goes, I don't know how long he's going to be in Houston. He's had a lot of time to turn things around with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and now Jabari Smith Jr. and Alperin Shingoon. You know, if, if they get a top pick and they, they don't turn things around next year, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I would keep him around much longer. But I can say very happy to see Pop still with the Spurs. Happy to see him showing you know, signs of that old coach pop, because that's how, you know, he's still enjoying the job. So I really enjoyed that last night. I, I saw you tweet that and I just <laughs> laughed because it was funny. It was funny to see on TV. It was funny to see on, on the timeline. I really like seeing that kind of stuff from pop. Yeah. It's, it's a moment, you know, it's just a moment that he's having with his, with one of the young players, you know, one of the rookies and yeah, I mean, he's, he can tell he's more of the, the father figure there. Cause again, laying into the rookie, but then it's like, get out there and go play. You know? <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'm sorry, dad. I'm going to go back out there and do better. <laughs> and I like seeing that. And so do a lot of the fans, you know, even Rockets fans were enamored uh, by coach pops antics on the side, on the sideline there. Another thing we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to go ahead and share our screen again here so we can go ahead and uh, bring some, uh, I guess uh, we're going to talk about the next four games for the San Antonio Spurs. So we have the Spurs going up against the Miami Heat tomorrow at 4 p.m. Then they have the Cleveland Cavaliers on Monday, December the 12th at 7.30. Then they have the Trailblazers on Wednesday, December 14th at 7 p.m. And of course, the Trailblazers are playing here because if they were, if the Spurs were playing the Trailblazers, that would be a 9, 9.30 tip. That's a little too late for me, Noah. But then the Spurs yeah. are going to finish their week with the Heat. They play the Heat twice. This is the second time they're going to play the Heat on Saturday, December the 17th at 4 p.m. I'm looking at these next four games, Noah, and I am not going to lie, man. I see a four-game losing streak. The only game that I think that the Spurs can maybe surprise uh, somebody in would be probably the Portland Trailblazers here at home on December the 14th because they did play them pretty close in this last outing. But again, you know, they the Trailblazers just have a little bit more talent and they're more uh, more of a seasoned team than the San Antonio Spurs are. So well, we'll see what happens. But um, I mean, what are you thinking these next four games? Do you see a win anywhere? Or are you just going to go ahead and just give us uh, some bad news here, Noah? I could see them going 0-4, but I could also see them maybe sneaking in a win or two here. The Miami Heat are 12-14. and 14. Like, They're really talented, right? They've got Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo. They've got Jimmy Butler. They've got a few other players on that team who, you know, can make a difference. Like, uh, like one of the Martin twins is there. He's having a really good season, but they haven't quite figured things out. They let PJ Tucker go. They promoted Martin to the starting lineup. Uh, they also promoted Tyler Hero to the starting lineup after paying him big time after he won Sixth Man of the Year. Which is just, as an aside, you really forget how selfless that Manu Ginobili was when you look at a player like Tyler Hero who won Sixth Man of the Year and his first demand was more money. And starting role. Uh, that would never have happened with Manu. I'm not saying every player needs to be Manu, but I think that's part of the struggles there, right? Is that they're trying to figure out the hierarchy. You've got Hero, who clearly wants to be the guy. You've got Jimmy Butler, who's, you know, the guy, but he's not necessarily been as good as he's been as years past. Bam Adebayo's transitioning into a new role. So they could sneak a win in there. And then I agree with you about Portland. There is a good chance that they could sneak a win away from Portland if they're at home, right? I mean, they were really, really close to beating Portland last time. So as the Spurs get healthy, maybe you see them sneak a win or two. But I think more than likely you're going to see one and three, if I'm being 100% honest. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling the same consensus here. And, you know, unfortunately for me, I think that one of the wins that they're going to get would probably going to be against the 
Portland Trailblazers. I could, like you said, see them maybe trying to sneak in a win against the Miami Heat on that second game when they're playing them back here at the AT&T Center. So definitely, though, a one in three is my prediction as well. Um, and you know what? If your team tank, you're going to be happy with that result. <laughs> oh, no, they won't be. They'll, they'll find a reason to complain because they won one That game. one win. The one, one win. win. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, shucks, we're not going to get uh, Wimbayama or Scoot Henderson. I mean, there's a 14% chance right now if the, if, the, if the season finished and the Spurs went into the NBA draft lottery you know, where you go ahead and see where the chips are going to fall for you, that they might get the first pick in the NBA, you know, and we'll just see where everything falls at the end of the day. But a win is a win. I'll take it. Moral victory, moving the team forward. And there's not going to be a lot of wins this season. Let's be honest. So you, you the Spurs do get a win. Let me enjoy my win. Leave me alone. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and talk about some some rumors that are going on here. And there are going to be some trade rumors. And, you know, true, full transparency, I was just browsing the web, you know, looking for Spurs news, and I came across hoopsrumors.com, and they were talking about an article that was uh, written by LJ Elias of Spurs Talk. It's a blog, a Spurs blog that's been around for quite some time as well. Um, and they're just talking about, you know, rumors involving one Yaka portal. And, you know, they have picked up because, let's face it, the they trade the, the time that is going to be available for teams to start making trades it's coming around. I believe December the 15th is really when teams can really start move, moving some of their assets around here. Uh, and I believe I, I learned that through Paul Garcia when we were recording uh, Spurs cast as well, because we were talking about some numbers and some interesting uh, dates that are going to be coming up. So December 15th is something to keep an eye on. And, you know, J LJ Elias was talking about, you know, Yaka Portal and him garnering attention from uh, a number of different teams out there, including the Raptors and Warriors. Um, who have shown some interest in one Yaka portal. And, you know, basically that the Spurs are, are looking for first round, you know, picks at this point uh, for one Yaka portal. If, if a trade is to be, you know, made, uh, that's probably the likely scenario. And let's face it, Noah, I mean, Jakob is coming up at, at the end of the year and he's going to have to make a decision whether he wants to be a restricted free agent or, you know, the Spurs want to go ahead and make a trade and get something for him versus, you know, maybe losing him and free agency if he's going to garner more attention because he's been playing a lot better um, as of, you know, this last season. And then this coming season as well. Well, this current season, he's played a lot better and he's got the attention of a lot of a lot of a lot of teams. So he might uh, actually get a hefty payday if he does hit free agency. Um, I know that, you know, the days of taking hometown discounts are out of the, the question now. Everybody wants to get paid. Um, but what are your thoughts here on Yaka Portal? I mean, as you know, the the trade rumors start to pick up. Yeah, that's really tough. I, I think the Spurs are going to have a lot of things to consider. The first thing that I think fans should know is that because he took such a big discount on his last contract with the Spurs, the way that the CBA works is they can only offer him a increase in pay based off a of per percentage from the last contract. So. This next contract can only be, if, if they negotiate this season for an extension, it can only be three years, $16 million max. And Mike A. Scotto, who's a really reputable national reporter, said, you know, the Spurs and Pirtle, they're not close to coming to terms because Pirtle doesn't want that money. He wants more than that. And he's probably earned more than that. Yeah. So if you're the Spurs, you know, okay, we're not going to get an extension done probably here uh, because why would anything change between now and the trade deadline? So if you don't trade him and you do decide to just keep him, 
Well, now he could walk in free agency because he'll be an unrestricted free agent. Of course, you can offer him a ton of money then, but then it's like, how much do you want to pay him? Are you willing to match what other teams are, are going to you know, pay him? And even if you do match, he's unrestricted. He can go anywhere. So with him, it is tough because if they want two first-rounders and the teams that are interested are the Raptors or maybe even the Warriors, that's a team that just won the championship and a team that's in playoff contention. So if you offer them up Pirtle and they add Pirtle to their roster, they're going to get better, which means you're probably not going to get a great yeah. pick from them later on. So there's a lot to consider. Maybe they get worse because they're older, like the Warriors, or maybe the Raptors somehow implode. I'm not sure how that would happen, but there's a lot to consider. I'm personally a fan of holding on to Pirtle because I think he's so integral to helping facilitate the development of the younger players on this roster from his screening to his rim protection to his you know ability to be a fulcrum from the high post and the elbows as a passer. But you know, there's a lot for the Spurs to think about. So that's a tough one, Joe. I don't know what I would do really aside from really think about strongly keeping him, but I'd love to hear what you would do with him because it's a difficult situation. There's a lot of moving pieces there. Yeah, at this point, I think the Spurs are coming to that crossroads now, Noah, where they're really going to have to start thinking about their future. And as well as Yaka Portal fits with this current team, you know, I just don't know if he's right for the current trajectory as far as the timeline goes. Because um, right now, you know, with Brian Wright, he's uh, looking like he's wanting to go ahead and stack those picks. So unfortunately for Portal, I think he's just going to be a casualty of the current timeline for the San Antonio Spurs. And I think if they can go ahead and really get a, at least one or two first round picks, they're going to go ahead and pull the trigger. And those picks might not even be for this coming draft. They're going to be for future drafts. But still, if you're looking to build for the future of the team, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. And I think one of those tough decisions is going to be saying bye to one Yonka portal because at the end of the day, it's a business, you know? That's tough. Yeah, and, and you know what? I know this is kind of like a little conspiracy theorist on my part, but you look at the drafts with the really big-time prospects. Like you look at LeBron James. Where did he land? Right? He landed in Cleveland. You know, uh, Derek Rose, he landed in Chicago. They happen to be the hometown, right? Well, I'm yeah. looking at the Spurs. They drafted Tim Duncan in 1997, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a generational big man at the top of this draft. The Spurs are a smaller market team. The NBA, you know, they can kind of be cruel to small market teams, but at the same time, they understand you have to have those teams be good every once in a while. There's a great narrative that, you know, the Spurs were great for two decades. They've been down bad for a little bit, but maybe they'll they'll be good for another two decades if they add Wimbenyama. So I think having Pirtle around with Wimbenyama when they win Wimbenyama in the lottery, that would be, I think, a pretty good pairing there. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're right. It's a business. Who knows if the Spurs are actually going to win the first overall pick? Yeah. It'll be hard to say goodbye to him. But, I, you know, every, I think everybody understands it's it's a business. You can't just hold on to sentiment. So I get it. I totally understand. Yeah. And you can't fault the guy for for wanting more money. I mean, he's he's done a lot of work here in, in his time with the San Antonio Spurs, flourished as a player, learned a lot from Coach Pop, the coaching staff. And, you know, and then the city's really embraced him here. So it's allowed him to flourish as well and enjoy the, you know, the things that are going on here in San Antonio as far as the culture and the food and the people. Uh, so, I mean, wherever he goes, he's always going to take a, a part of San Antonio with him. But, you know, uh, he's worked really hard. So I'm, I can't fault him for wanting to, to get paid. At the end of the day, you got to look for your future as well. And other uh, news as well that we're going to talk about is more, you know, uh, trade rumors here involving the the Spurs vets, which we knew was going to pick up, you know, because it's only natural that teams are going to be looking uh, to go ahead and pick away some of the vets because, you know, injuries do happen. 
so you're looking at Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott, and they're starting to pick up, you know, a little bit more interest with some other ball clubs here. Um, and again, you know, from what I've seen here, you know, you have scenarios saying that, you know, the recently signed Elise Johnson has a non-guaranteed contract. And, he, you know, he could provide some fun front court uh, depth following injuries, you know, of course, to Portal and, and Sohan. Um, and they could, you know, potentially cut uh, Johnson and sign perimeter uh, perimeter players. So that's kind of the things that are going on right now. And one of the names that keeps coming back is, you know, Jordan Hall is a possibility, you know, and his Spurs are doing their homework here and looking at uh, jazz guard uh, Jared Butler. And my son was the one that told me this, too. Uh, and I was looking to see if there was any stock behind this rumor. Uh, the Spurs, they said that the, right now they're also looking at uh, Isaiah Thomas, who could quite possibly fit that 15th roster spot. Uh, so those are kind of the rumors that have been circulating here. And the Isaiah Thomas one is kind of interesting to me. I don't know about you. What do you what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if your goal is to tank, then 100%, right? I mean, he's not really an NBA player anymore. He doesn't play defense, and even when he tries, he's one of the smallest players in the NBA. He's not efficient from the field anymore. He's lost his burst. He's lost his lift. He's not you know, as good of a shooter as he once was. He's not creating space like he once was. So to be honest, I have no interest in Isaiah Thomas unless you just want him there as a you know, relic on the bench to sell, you know, a couple jerseys. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I, I would be lying if I said I would be interested in Isaiah, uh, you know, Thomas on this roster. Yeah, I'm not really interested in him either. I just thought it was an interesting choice, you know? Yeah, it's like, well, it is, it is kind of an, interesting. Yeah, I think the, the word interesting is kind. I would say it's like puzzling, strange. It doesn't make yeah. sense to me. So it's like if you're wanting to tank without saying you're tanking, then you're going to go ahead and want to pick up somebody like Isaiah Thomas, who's probably just going to be sitting on the bench. You know, let's be honest. But, you know, bearing any other, you know, interest from from these vets here, I think the only way that the Spurs will will pull a trigger is if there's some type of a first round pick uh, incentive in there somewhere. Um, and again, they're looking to rebuild for the future. So. Unfortunately, losing one of these vets or both of these vets is going to be detrimental to the team. And of course, you know, if your team tank, you're going to be excited and thrilled because your chances of, of getting that first round pick are probably going to go up a little bit because you don't have anybody really, really uh, leading that second unit anymore. So as bad as, as the Spurs have been, you know, to start the games in first quarters, well, when you're getting into crunch time or you're, you're getting into that second quarter, you need to start resting some of your starters and you have no bench to speak of. I mean, and you're already down by double digits expect to be down by even more when the starters return. So, I mean, you got to pick your poison. So I'm just saying as you know, the, the trade deadlines are coming up here uh, or the trade opening, uh, should I say is coming up here and the deadline going to be coming up after the all-star break. Uh, I think the Spurs are going to be in that rumor um, mill quite, quite a bit because they do have money too. So they could, foreseeably take on a bad contract and and get picks and really just buy somebody out and they won't even see the light of day here with the team and they'll get waived immediately um so there's a, that scenario to think about as well but i know you, you're thinking the same thing noah you know as 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 the as as the season wanes on here we're going to hear more and more rumors like crazy You'll probably even have to write about one or two. <laughs> probably. Yeah. There's yeah. there's gonna be a lot of rumors. And you know, Joe, at the end of the day, if they move on from Yaka Pertle or Josh Richardson or Doug McDermott, 
it's going to hurt their encore production, but I think in the long run, it's probably going to be what's best for this team. And, no. you know, I, I am sort of, uh, I guess if, if I had to pick a side, I'm on team tank, but I certainly want to see them be competitive when they're losing. So it'll, it'll be hard to see those guys go. But I think if you're of the understanding that it's, it's the best for the long-term future of the team, then you just kind of swallow the losses and you hope that the ping pong balls bounce in the Spurs way. So no. there's not a lot else that I could say about that though. Yeah, but still go to the games, though. If you're a fan, still go to the games, still support the team. They, they need you even more now that they're not very good. You know, seeing people in the stands makes them feel better. And as a fan, you're going to see the, the the projection of this team from really where they're at now to if they get a, a, a top pick and you're going to be there in the in the seats when they're doing even better. So make sure you're, you're going to the games and supporting the team. So one last thing here before we go ahead and bring this show to a close. I'm going to throw you a little curveball here. I didn't see that in this uh, particular topic until right now when I was uh, kind of looking through Twitter. But our good friend here, uh, JP, as we we nicknamed him, me and Ben, uh, Josh Paredes, uh, he went ahead and put that the Spurs have some Tim Duncan memor uh, memorabilia uh, as part of an online auction. And it's live right now through Monday night. And the proceeds benefit Spurs give and the Spurs Youth Basketball League. So I know, you know, you have some extra uh, cash to be throwing around here. No, <laughs> season. <laughs> no not really. None, none of us do. Uh, but look at some of the stuff that they have here for, for sale or for up for grabs in the auction. A 2010-2011 autographed Tim Duncan Black Association jersey. They have a 2012-2013 autographed Tim Duncan Gray Association jersey. And a, a 2011 to 2012 autographed Tim Duncan jersey. Autographed Tim Duncan, 2003 MVP. 16 no, I'd like that. I don't know. I don't think I can afford that, but I, I like that. Me too. I mean, there's three days left in this in this uh, auction still. So I don't know, man. Maybe you, you'd sneak in here like the Spurs can sneak in a win and, and take that one. And they also have a 16 by 20 autographed Tim Duncan uh, print, you know, a photograph of the finals, you know, the 2014 finals. So that's pretty good. And of course, you got the iconic one. I mean, you see these. This is why you'll go broke if you start looking at this stuff. Because who wouldn't <laughs> want every single one of these pictures? Him hoisting up, you know, the 2014 championship print with Tim Duncan, you know, and, and it's autographed. Then you have the one uh, 2003 MVP Tim Duncan autograph pick where he's holding up the MVP, MVP trophy. I, I would lose money, man. I'm glad that I have kids and I don't have residual income, you know, just to throw out <laughs> like that. Because if I was single, man, I'd be buying all this stuff. I know you'd want every single one of those picks, right? If I had money, if I had money, money, like real money, uh, yeah. yeah, I would I would be putting my money in there for every single auction. Unfortunately, uh, I don't have that kind of money. So <laughs> I probably won't be putting any, you know, any uh, bids into that yeah. auction. The only <laughs> thing I can say is, you know what? If I put a $5 bid in, and maybe no one else wants to bid on it. Maybe everybody wants to do me a favor. Maybe I can get one of those for like five bucks if y'all just kind of stay away from it. I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, I can dream. I can dream about, you know, putting $5 down and winning an autograph from Tim Duncan. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I got an idea here, too. I just thought of it. I have a friend of mine who collects memorabilia because that's what he does for a living. He goes out and he gets uh, authentic autographs from the players and, you know, from celebrities that come through San Antonio. What if I was to get a couple of these photos, right? And we kind of raise money for a charity. And I know I've seen you and the Fiesta Bros talking about having a celebrity uh, kind of basketball. Uh, now that would be game. fun. 
That would be fun. <laughs> this is what's up for grabs. You know, we have something tangible. We could see you, Ty, Mac, Nick. And I'm going to say, man, Nick has gotten swole, dude. He's been working He's big out. now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got the muscles now. I've been trying, but you know what? I'm not like him. Not like yeah. him. I, I don't have much faith in, in Ty, though. I got to say, man, he's got those little ankles and his back is like an old man back. Uh, he's I got think the he's Anthony Davis back. Yeah. yeah. We'll just have to call him the glass man. <laughs> but it would I don't be know if you saw him on Twitter. He was talking smack about um, how he could play basketball yesterday and no, sir. I mean, it's, he's not bad. He just, like I say, he's like Anthony Davis. You get him out there for five minutes, got to put him on the injury report. He's done. Yeah, but it would be fun, like he was saying, too, to have people on the side, you know, somebody like with, the, you know, that's really pro calling the game and, and having a scouting report and the whole bit, having a mascot. There would be a lot of fun. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see what we can come up with. I think that would be fun to to kind of live stream that. Yeah, no, I would love that. If we could figure out how to do that, I'm in 100%. I'm in yeah. all the way. Yeah, first I got to see if we can get the first shoe to drop and I can get uh, some my, my friend to donate some uh, autograph, you know, Spurs photos and stuff. That, that would be pretty cool. That's that's what the winners get. <laughs> well, so you we'll, get that up and, and, and I'll be there. Yeah, well, definitely. I, I would imagine so. <laughs> but as we go ahead and start bringing this to a close, Noah, uh, go ahead and let us know what you have uh, coming through the pipe here over there at uh, Pounding the Rock. Yeah, so I've posted a couple of things on Pounding the Rock recently. If you want to look at some of the options that the Spurs may be wanting to take here as they start transitioning more and more into this rebuild, I have a video that I put up. It's about Sharif Cooper, why the Spurs should consider maybe you know, waiving Alizé Johnson, promoting Charles Bassey to a standard contract, and signing Sharif Cooper to a two-way. You know, Maybe he provides some point guard play for the Spurs, a long-term developmental project while Blake Wesley is, you know, still on the mend. So check that out. You know, we put a new podcast episode, me and Damian Bartonek, Alamo City Limits. Y'all can check that out as well. My YouTube channel is up and running. So yeah, just, you know, check all my stuff out and keep your fingers crossed for me. You know, I know I said it on Twitter the other day, but I'm interviewing for a position that um, hopefully I can talk to y'all about really soon, but keep your fingers crossed. And Joe, as always, you know, love talking Spurs basketball with you. Really appreciate you bringing me on here. Always have a blast. Yeah, it's always fun to have you back here talking Spurs basketball. And we do wish you luck, you know, on, on, on this next venture that you have coming up here. Hopefully you get the position. And if you do, you know, maybe we can – you can come back to San Antonio. We can <laughs> celebrate over some drinks and dinner or something, you know. Sounds good to me. All right. So for Noah Magaro-George, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for watching and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind. We're out. Peace. <laughs>